Hello and welcome to 21st Century Vitalism, a show where we're asking the question, what does it mean to be fully alive in the 21st century? I am your host, Brett Kane, and joining us to explore that question this week are my friends Sean Dunn and Cass Greener from Very Ape TV, independent filmmakers and fellow podcasters. These are some really rad humans who are going to help me explore a topic that is very near and dear to my heart. It's came up here and there on the show, but never in a full episode context, and that is psychedelics, plant medicines, all of that. Um, so... As a preface, you know, for me, this is a very important topic in understanding where we are in the 21st century. When they were really released to the public, it really shook things up to a big degree. You had, you know, the 60s and the 70s and, um, you know, the way that it influenced art and our ways of viewing ourselves. And if we were to have a conversation about what it takes to be fully alive and we're not talking about uh, these plant medicines and these teachers, then I think we're just doing ourselves a disservice. Um, so I like to pride myself on being down the middle of the aisle of science and spirituality, and I think that this topic specifically is a really wonderful down-the-aisle uh, thing to explore. Um, so in this episode, we talk about intention setting, how to actually work with these as medicines and as teachers and then as a way to grow. Uh, we talk about integrating them into our daily lives, both... Um, in how to structure a, a situation like this and also how to take the lessons that we learn and then apply them to our communities and our interactions. Uh, we talk about like what it means to be a psychedelic warrior, essentially, and what this entire practice really shows us and how it's affected us deeply. We do share some experiences and our own views on how to have a healthy relationship with these things. I'm not advocating either which way, but I do think it is important to get it all out on the table. And, you know, this is a tool in the kit that we have to experience ourselves in new ways. And, you know, it's really ripe. And you'll see, I mean, it's a two-hour conversation. There's obviously a lot to talk about. And I think a lot of people get really excited talking about it. It's kind of like talking about your dreams or sexuality. It's one of those things that if you've been in that world, then you, it, it almost demands you to try and figure it out you know, and come up with your own ideas. So it, it's a fun conversation. I actually, I really enjoyed this. And um, as just some background on Sean and Cass, they host the Very Eight podcast, which is one of the three shows I still listen to. Um, they're really amazing independent filmmakers as well. And all their stuff is free on YouTube, including the podcast. And their ability to hold space in a really uh, chill way, I think, is really what attracts me to their platform and their content because they really are kind of doing something I don't see very often, or if I have, it hasn't been done as well in that you feel like you're sitting on the couch next to them as they're exploring ideas on their own show. And it's not about coming to like the right conclusion. There's no like debating. It's just moving energy, moving through topics, expressing yourself, understanding yourself in that moment. It's not about like upholding some view. It's about just tapping into the other person and creating a space where everybody is welcome and everything that you're going through is welcome. And I really wanted to bring that into the show. And I think that alone, I mean, aside from just talking about psychedelics, this is a really great case study on just like copacetic social ability. <laughs> I, I really, I just, I, I appreciate these folks a lot, and this was uh, an honor to be able to host them on and kind of dive deep into a topic that we're both really 
fascinated with. So yeah, I don't want to keep you too much because this is a longer conversation. If you want to see what they got going on, head on over to veryape.tv. They just started a new um, morning show, uh, so Monday through Friday, I think. It's uh, called The Come Up, so you can spend 15 minutes with them in the morning, get your uh, your head on straight before you go off into the world. Uh, if you want to support this show, uh, head on over to any of the channels that you're finding it, subscribe, and leave a good review. Uh, it really does help expand the platform and uh, invite more dope humans to interact with. Uh, you know, It helps me make a better show, put more time into it. Um, and right now it's the lifeblood, you know, well, one day it'll take on, you know, I'll have a Patreon and stuff, but for now, good ratings, um, you know, viewership, if you likes on Facebook, Instagram, all that stuff, I wouldn't say it if it didn't help. So, uh, yeah, without further ado, like I said, this is, this is a fun episode. So please uh, open your hearts, drink some tea, do some stretches and welcome Sean and Cass. and Sean. Welcome to 21st Century Vitalism. It's a pleasure to have you guys on. Thank you so much for having us. We're yeah. really grateful to be here. Deeply appreciate this yeah. invite, man. Yeah. So just as a preface for both listeners and for your context, um, you guys host the Very 8 podcast, which is now one of three podcasts that I listen to. Mm -hmm. I've kind of narrowed down from 10 down to three. And there's something about the the thing you guys have going on that I really wanted to draw attention to. And this might be a little meta, but there's something about the space that y'all create that I think is so important for people who, even if they're not plugged into your conceptual framework, I think that there's something at the heart of the way you interact with each other and with your guests that I think is so essential for like social cohesion, mm. if you will. And I, I think I've heard you say it, and I don't know if this is exactly, but like the Church of Chill, the idea behind that, and I know it's not really an idea, but I've like, I've kind of internalized it too in like, in how I hold space with people. And I just kind of wanted to open the floor for you guys to like, what is, did you have an intention when starting the podcast? What exactly <laughs> did you make out to start doing? Um, well, first, honored that we made your cut, man, we're going to keep competing for that that slot. Um. Yeah, I, think, I hear that from a lot of people that they're cutting down their, their podcast consumption. And uh, anytime we hear that we made the cut is, is pretty flattering. Yeah. So, uh, man, we've been doing this since what, 2014. And it kind of came off as an extension of the documentary film work we do because, you know, with films, they can only, we can, we made, we were making one on a pretty quick clip, like once a year, but it still wasn't feeling like we were able to document as much as our soul was requiring yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it took a minute to realize that uh making the podcast is that too mm -hmm. um and it was for a minute it was difficult for me to even get behind why are we doing a podcast and then Cass like, wouldn't even be a part of them at first like she was she <laughs> would just like um do the dials and like make sure people's levels were right but she she didn't want to have a mic in front of her or anything yeah but it really gets to what you were asking which is that while we we talk to you know experts in different fields and are have been like very i guess sharing in our path of um learning about different modalities and healing techniques and meditation and trauma and addiction we also um we're realizing that 
just creating a vibe and sharing space is something that we find really important and wanted to share with people. Mm. And it's, I mean, we were just watching a YouTube video before we got on, which is like a, a reaction video and that's how someone shares space. So everyone has their own flavor of that. And this is ours. Yeah. Cass is just going to go turn off the heat real quick. So the sound yeah. is good. Yeah. <clears throat> um, yeah, but no, that's fine. I would, I would add to that. Um, that by the time I even started thinking about doing a podcast, we had already had uh, every bit of validation you could get from filmmaking. So, uh, you know, we were just in a place where it's just like, I don't know, that like we won awards. A lot of people have seen our stuff. They get what we're doing. We're cultivating an audience. But I don't know, it was taking so long to do those projects. And uh, we were we were learning at a clip that, um, we wanted to keep feeding and fueling that. So we just said like, let's, let's do a podcast and let's try to absorb some of the wisdom of other people because we were, we had just started doing psychedelics and we didn't really have much of a framework for, um, the downloads we were getting. So we started, we, the podcast really started by us listening to people. And when we started it, we said, we're going to do a hundred episodes. And, uh, around the time we got to a hundred episodes, we started to get more serious about it. And that's when we came up with the idea of church of chill and, uh, Church of Chill just started as like a, a, a funny idea, like, oh, that's what we are. We're the Church of Chill. When people get around us, they have to chill out because that's what we care about and that's the vibe we're holding. And so we do this um, this show once or twice a week where we just play music and we kind of offer that as a sacrament of the church of how to chill. You know, these, these songs have, have shown us a lot and they've shown us how to chill and let's take some sovereignty back over our experience as humans and try to reclaim the chill a little bit but we're not possessors of it we're just reminders yeah, yeah. it's super awesome to hear what you were saying about like it's something you've incorporated because i feel like that's just all we are is like these little swimming fishes like throwing ideas back and forth and you kind of can pick up what resonates with you and that's what we're finding is like it's valid to explore these ideas because if they're not for us maybe they're for someone else and or we can share in this vibe especially in now in a time where we're so separated to kind of have uh core values of wanting to listen to music and and let things go and uh just be present is is like a pretty simple intention that i think a lot of people enjoy sharing it, it felt like when the quarantine really kicked into gear it like it felt like this podcast i was like that's why we've been doing this for five years to be ready for this moment to show people it's okay, kind of the way that, that mushrooms can show you or cannabis can show you, but we can be the living embodiment of like, it's cool, we can weather this storm, it is just a storm, it's not the climate. And um, so when, when quarantine started, we started putting our show on YouTube and more just like inviting in like, here's how it looks, here's, here's what um, a chill accepting psychedelic lifestyle kind of looks like. And again, like we're there's there's many ways it can look, but we're people that are putting it into practice in this crazy system, and we don't have some inheritance or um, you know other people's resources to rely on. So we're just trying to hold that vibe through this craziness and be examples of that. Yeah, and I, I think you guys are really good examples to the degree that like never before have I really wanted to sit on somebody else's couch <laughs> to the degree that I like I see you guys. I'm like. I feel like like you have a very inviting presence to the way that you like your candor, and I, I really like the idea of I've heard you say in one of your episodes like the idea of like yes and, mm -hmm. and th that really is like a common theme in the nature of your discourses is that like you're not saying ideas to try and like 
convince the other each other or anybody else you're just like in the free flow of ideation and then you guys like riff off of each other and it's not about getting to like some conclusion it's just about being in the moment and I think that that's kind of what gets communicated is like there's a resonance to that because I feel like the the apex of what y'all are trying to do is to connect and to be open and I think that that's what is kind of getting you this community forming around you is that like that's what we need right now, especially in like the societal climate. Like we all need to chill out, yeah. you know, and that's like a transmission, mm-hmm. right? Like it's not something like you can follow as many philosophies, but until you tune into that feeling, it, it's really hard to even know what people are talking about. Yeah. And and I think like one of the things that really helps us keep going is what we've realized over time is it doesn't really necessarily matter that much what we say because we're not taking ourselves so seriously. So I think people can feel that. And I think what's going on um, beneath it all, the foundation of what we do and why anyone would even listen to us or watch us is a thing with permission and I think a lot of people don't feel like they have permission to chill out or to just smoke pot or to just listen to music or to not be productive or, or whatever their interpretation of chill is. But we just try to say, oh, you have permission for it. Not only do you have permission, it's like the thing you should be striving for. You know, we get one life here. As far as I know, I get one pass through as Sean. I don't get to do this as Sean again. So why would I make my values in line with a society that just that wants me depleted and desperate and on the brink of precarity. So I don't point my faith towards those things. I point my faith towards this relationship, each other, music, art, these kind of things. Yeah. And it's cool. Cause like watching you guys give yourselves that permission. I mean, it really does grant everybody else the permission yeah. to do it. And when you look at like the way our society is structured and the way that like all of like human history is like, human history, like all the other ancient uh, societies, they've had more opportunity to just be present. Whereas now we're constantly focused on the next thing. And like, you look at tribes in like Africa, like they they really only work for like three hours a day, at least they Mm. used to, you know, they work for three hours a day and just like hang out with their friends and family and probably smoke pot or their equivalent of it. So to have people who you guys are showing up, you guys are creating, you're a part of the, the marketplace, so to speak. But you're also like, placing this as a priority and it's like it's an advocate it's advocacy for mental health really (laughs) you know it's it's deprogramming from consumerism because i think that's all we're ever taught we're taught to medicate with things from the material world and what we're saying is you can surf you can surf this uh without having to buy things or focus too much on your future dwell on your past exactly yeah i uh i honestly just like have had to live up to the prayer that church of chill is (laughs) that's the funny part of it you know what i mean by putting this intention in our life and and kind of creating this space where it's like okay at least once a week we're like sitting down for an hour and a half and just listening to music and either just uh like doing art or or being present with each other just kind of like letting music take the wheel you know and and drive the ship a little bit and let your mind and everything we wander but uh, it's also kind of um, burned out or is in the process of burning out the impurities, the parts of me that are consumerist, the parts of me that are fearful, the parts of me that want to like plan, a, you know, plan a future based around my set of fears. You know, it's 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 something that we're not like the 
on the other end of it, it's like a commitment that you kind of wake up every day and say like, all right, let me, let me find my inner peace. Let me find my inner chill. Let me like try to remember that there's something bigger and taking things so seriously isn't the game for us. You know, that doesn't mean we don't get caught in the game, but we try to remind each other and appreciate the people who remind us that, um, we're, we're in a little bit of a game and you can have a little more fun playing it. Yeah. That's beautiful. Yeah. I like the idea of like having people hold you accountable to chillness. <laughs> <Totally>. <laughs> like the fact that a big part of your brand is, you know, like to be able to settle into the moment rather than like fight against it. You know, I think mm. um, the more opportunity that we have to do that, you know, it's every moment of that is precious. It will, it, 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 what it ends up doing is it, uh, it deepens your experience here and it deepens your relationships with people when you're, when you're fully present and you're not dwelling on the past or clinging to the future and you're present, you, th life takes on such a, a, a richer quality. And I, I think like when you see us, when we have guests on the podcast, that's what we're trying to do with them. We're not, um, we're not necessarily even trying to interview them. We're trying to earn an interaction that feels more like a conversation that feels less like thrust on somebody, but more like something that they are participating with us in building that's that's chiller than uh you know i i think than than like uh okay we have questions and we need answers like we don't want answers answers are walls answer answers are the end of a journey and we always want to be starting new journeys and i think like we've taken enough acid and ayahuasca and smoked enough toad to know that we don't know shit and yeah. so like our our wisdom is going to come out in bits and it's going to come from us putting ourselves on the line but it's not always going to come out. It's not always going to seem wise, but it should always seem chill. It should seem like <laughs> like it's steeped in self-forgiveness and, um, and community vibes and trying to bring people together and not exclusionary, dogmatic rules and laws. It, that, that's not what we're basing our life on. So we don't want to project that at all. Yeah. I think that that speaks um, a lot to like the idea of what wisdom actually is. Because I think a lot of people like they do a lot of study or they do a lot of practice in order to be wise. But like wisdom comes in those moments when you're not like grasping for mm -hmm. it. It's like it's something that comes from the heart. So it's like the constant like conditioning to just kind of like be in a state that's like we're receptive to it. But if it's not here, then it's not here. Yeah. And that's really like not why we're here. You know, like that's just kind of a symptom or like a side effect, mm -hmm. if you will. Mm -hmm. You know, a shareable. Yeah. Aspect. Well, when you flip the script on this experience and you stop thinking of yourself as like a, a victim of having taken form and realize like, oh, you came here for a reason. You came here to evolve this soul and to learn lessons. And you start to feel like uh, you're in a curriculum, you're in a school. And I don't know, to, to me, that helps me take this thing a lot less serious. And it helps me be like, okay, cool. How would I behave if this, I, I want to get my lessons, but what what i've realized with me is my my wisdom has come from the hardest parts of my life and the parts of my life where i wasn't equipped for the lessons at the time but i still showed up for them and you know uh, your your life can start to fit you like a glove if you're showing up for those things if you're mm -hmm. showing up for the moments that seem really tough and you want to medicate and you want to you want to fucking pull the parachute and get the fuck out if you can withstand those moments, if you can surf those seas, that's when your wisdom starts to appear 
and you can start to play with it. And as these patterns start to play out over your life, you can apply your wisdom. Oh, I've seen this before. This is such and such, which usually arises tension, anger, and anxiety in me. And here's how I'm going to deal with it this time. So it's a, it, it's like a constant curriculum that I feel like we're in. And that's all, I feel like that's all of our, all our podcast is, is like, we're not professors. We're in the mystery school with the listeners and we appreciate yeah. their feedback and we learn more from them than we do from ourselves or guests. Yeah. Yeah. It's like you're an active participant in the container that you've created, like past you created this thing that you're now showing up to. And it's like, hey, thanks, past me. Like <laughs> now I have this kind of road to be walking. Mm -hmm. um, and what you said, it reminds me, I'm, I'm studying Tibetan Buddhism a lot. I just got done with a mindfulness meditation course through um, David Nickturn's group, mm -hmm. cool. uh, who's he's like Duncan Trussell's uh, teacher. Um, and there's this thing in Tibetan wisdom, uh, Tibetan Buddhism called the five wisdom energies. And what they posit is that your neuroses and your wisdom are made out of the same material. So in like really sinking into those moments when you screw up or when you're being really neurotic, if you can really like weather that storm, it actually will transform and transmute into like a jewel that you can then carry forward and then understand yourself even deeper. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, with what you're saying, like that just fits so well with the things mm -hmm. that I've already been studying. And oh, and dude, it's, it's the most satisfying thing when you can see this training start to crystallize around your actions and start to crystallize around what you, what you feel is your real destiny. And you're like, wow, I'm, I really am doing this. I'm able to, I'm able to get through this life and not make the same mistakes over and over again. And if I am, I'm able to forgive myself. So again, this is about, this is about permission and this isn't, this is about permission to not beat yourself up and not be overly critical and, you know, uh, have your self-worth based on, on all these things that material society is honestly trying to blind you with. So, uh, you know, it, it takes a lot, I think in American society as a young person coming up today to gain a sense of who the fuck they really are beneath all this. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. you know, we, what we'll, what we can try to do is be like, Hey, you know, I'm going into my forties. I've been through some tough shit. I've taken a lot of psychedelics in my thirties and I've begun to, through meditation practices and through eating better and through exercise and through putting myself out there, gotten to know who the fuck I am a little bit more. And once you know who you are, you're more equipped to surf these crazy fucking choppy seas because they are and life's going to be throwing shit at you left and right. So don't cling to the good times and don't wallow in the bad times because it's all fucking changing. So you start to get used to that and you get your sea legs and it's a beautiful fucking thing and it's a beautiful thing to see happen in real time. You could, if you've been paying attention to our podcast from, from day one, you've heard us become completely different people because we've allowed ourselves to, we gave ourselves permission to change the script. You know, I, I think both of us before we found mushrooms felt a little bit backed into a corner. Like our, our egos like had served us well, but um, they'd backed us into a corner. The way we were approaching life was a little, I feel like harsh and not who we identify with now. So we allowed ourselves to kind of um, dig ourselves out of that, that hole that we dug ourselves into. And we say, okay, cool, those people got us here, but we don't need to be those people anymore. We can, we can be kind and we can be wise and we can be good listeners. So that's, that's what we're trying to do. Yeah, that's the practice. 
I love that. So how much do you think uh, the psychedelics have really played into your kind of unraveling? Um, Because I know, like, I haven't really honestly talked a lot about psychedelics Mm. on this podcast. It's come up, you know, people know that I'm an advocate, but I I haven't had like a concerted conversation. And that was kind of a part of my intention, because I know you, you both are pretty public about it and have honestly been like really good exemplars of the kinds of lessons that you can be learning. So I'm just kind of curious, like that exploration, that deep dive into that world, like how, where do you think you'd be without it, you know? Um, yeah, God, where would we be without psychedelics? We probably would have convinced ourselves that we needed to own something by now and we'd probably have a mortgage and kids and a dog and like, you know, that, that the the things that look, you can't blame people, but the things people do to make themselves feel grounded in this human experience that make them feel like they have some purpose, um, probably would have had some more alluring qualities to us. Yeah, I mean, it makes sense that people are scared of psychedelics, and they probably should be if they want to stay on the path. <laughs> yeah, if they the want to stay path, on the, the parallel path. Yeah, you the know? path they've been on. Yeah. If you want to stay on the path you're on, don't don't take a fucking eighth of mushrooms randomly because that that pulled down all illusions. The truth is, though, that we're like we were unconventional approach people. Like I never fantasized about the the marriage or the job or whatever it is. Like I, I've always been like a more loose, free person. So I think that these plants have been able to be real, actually really good allies in supporting us on the path that we were probably inevitably going to take in some form or another. Um, yeah. Yeah. The, these plants, like, um, especially cannabis and mushrooms are like, they, they just tell you, it's like, you're an artist, live an interesting life and make art about it and, and show people what I'm showing you that it's okay. So that's, uh, that's, that's what we try to do. And I think we revisit psychedelics, uh, quite often to keep us humble. There's no doubt that I attribute having a better time in this experience post psychedelics. Like I think I used Mm -hmm. to take either take things more seriously. I mean, it's not like I'm a fucking Zen mind all the time and I don't get in lost in fears, but like the anxiety I had before I realized it's all illusion was like 10 times more intense than the anxiety that I dance with now. Cause now at least when I'm dancing with anxiety, I'm like, Oh, there's a part of me that's like, Oh, look at you dancing with anxiety. Mm -hmm. And I'm less like in the mush there's like a version of me that's like watching the mush and having alivened that version of me. It's made, it's made having, I have a lot more fun. It's, it's, there's like a market difference. Like I just enjoy my life more. Things are more fun. I love, I love life. It's like reinvigorated my love for life. Yeah. I mean, this stuff helps you be cool with death. And I think that's the simplest way to, there's all kinds of ways that that manifests in people's lives once they start taking psychedelics. But uh, I think ultimately what it does to everyone that has a spiritual reaction to psychedelics is it's making you cool with death. And once you're cool with death, you're going to be cool with past versions of you dying. And once you're cool with that, you almost start to get off on it. And that's that's where we're at right now. We're like, we use this stuff to to up our game and to realize who we are. Yeah, to remind ourselves for sure. I really like what you said, Cass, about like kind of like having space from the mush, you know, like it's a different thing to be able to like see that you're in the mush than to be the mush, Mm. you know, and I mean, that's been my experience with it too. I mean, I've been in, I guess, on that path for probably over a decade. It was probably like 2009, like as soon as I graduated high school. Um, And I mean, I I was a lot younger when I got into it than I'm assuming that you two were when you were. Um, So I would also, as someone who kind of did that, 
at that age, I would advocate for maybe waiting a little <laughs> bit longer. For me, it was definitely, I, I like didn't want to like really exert any, I just didn't have the proper guidance or framework. So having this thing that just dissolved my boundaries, you know, I was just like, I don't know if I really even want to participate in anything, right? you know? Mm. So I, I would also, I mean, from my personal perspective is like, maybe wait until you're at least like 23, at least where you can kind of start to like, like, I don't yeah, know, like I kind of, we're definitely grateful that we kind of had like an estate. We had an apartment. We had a way of making money. We had, you know, we had we had like we had done this dance and gotten to a certain place, and then we like stripped it all. And I think sometimes when you're figuring out who you are and you strip it, it could be like a whole different dance. But I will say, this is not safe stuff at any age. Like it was, I was. Yeah. It was not fun for me. It was hard. I was scared. I was like, "What the fuck have I done?" You know, like flooded with all the fear, all the bad thoughts, all the insecurity. Like at the age of like twenty six, twenty five, twenty five. Yeah, so I guess maybe it was only a few years later. Yeah. Maybe Sean can talk more. I, about I was thirty two when I found it, and I'm I'm glad I found it when I did, and I'm I'm grateful that I didn't um, do this stuff when I was when I was a teenager because I was dealing with some other shit and. This just might have made me more confused, but at the age when it, when it did find us, it was it was totally appropriate and necessary and necessary for our art to evolve and for us not to fall into the trappings that successful artists can fall into, which is just keep repeating the thing that made you that that got you that validation and um, it's not where where our heart what our hearts were interested in to begin with, and this gave us permission to be the freaks that we are. So. Yeah. We've just stuck with it. And yeah. I think we've always been seeking. Yeah. So it's not, it's no uh, coincidence that we ended up doing, doing this stuff. But uh, yeah, man, it, it's been such a, a trip. I mean, I, I mean, I think we can relate to like not making us want to participate either, you know, because you kind of mm -hmm. can see the systems that you're a part of from a whole different angle. And it, and it does kind of speaking of flip the script, all of a sudden you, th you thought something meant something and, and you realize, oh, we're all, like, these are made-up rules in a made-up land, and we have, like, a, a an ability to participate and make this world what we want it to be. Well, we can, um, like, uh, and, and to, to your point, we've seen this happen to people, people that, you know, started with taking big amounts of acid at a young age, and then all of a sudden they don't want to participate in society or capitalism anymore. And I get that instinct, and I think we've had a similar one, but I think that that um, takes away what our real power is. And our, our power in any of these situations is, is do we consent? Do you want to continue to consent to the systems that you're part of? And we don't, and I think being in a, in a, in a powerful, uh, solid relationship helps us kind of resist that a little bit more. I think if we were, if we were separate individuals going at this with the same mentality, we might be uh, less bold in our decision-making, but, um, since we're together, we can take some risks and, you know, our, our love guides us. And so we've allowed this stuff to show us a, a, a roadmap. Really? That's, that's what we've let it do is like show us a map for how to navigate a more spiritual reality. Yeah. And I mean, talk about Buddhism and all the spiritual teachers and the medi uh, meditation teachers and Ramdas and so many people who like have helped us so much along the path, you know, exactly what you're doing. Timothy Leary, Terrence McKenna, Ramdas, yeah. Alex Shulgin, you know, the, the yeah. list goes on Jack and on. Jack Cornfield. Yeah. I didn't know that Jack Cornfield was into it. Oh, oh yeah. Well, at one <laughs> point. point yeah. 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 Back in the early 70s. And the funny thing is, it's really cute when these people 
are so advanced in their spirituality and so everyone looks up to them and and they don't speak to that the acid was such a big part of their spiritual awakening you know um i i don't know i just give credit where credit's due that's definitely one of the things that led us to um a more spiritual life for sure it's and and i think we'll always give it props i don't i don't think we'll we'll say oh no we we did this on our own it's like no of uh a message from gaia came that still continues to come that's pretty strong and it's about symbiosis and it's about balance and living your life with better balance and uh, trying to take back the heart space to figure out what your path is yeah yeah and i mean even like ramdas like near like the end like before the stroke he'd even talk about like as accomplished as he was he still every now and again would partake in the, the mushrooms mm-hmm. and yeah it's like yeah they're a friend and cassie said like that they're allies and i think that that's like one of the best descriptors and that's been my relationship with them is like i've always felt like a guiding hand with them but yeah like you said like they can tear you asunder yeah. you know like that's a part of mm-hmm. it though it's um, honestly, like the really good feelings, like for me, like, I don't think there's a bad trip, you know, it's difficult experiences, but it is in those moments when everything starts to cave in and your sense of self kind of gets tore from you that like, for me, like, especially with, with mushrooms, like I really enjoy the part after the heavy visual aspect, because then I, I get to watch my mind kind of get built back up kind of brick by brick and then that's when you don't like do the work then but you're able to see you actually get some objectivity Mm -hmm. about like wait why is that super neurotic brick there (laughs) like okay well now i'm building on top of it but like now i know that's there now i can go deeper in order to do Mm -hmm. it it's like you still do the work yourself it's not that you get a free pass but they're mirrors into different aspects of yourself that Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, I, I, I think giving credit where credit's due, I wouldn't be who I am easily, you know, and, um, I think it's a part, you know, especially with the concentrated Western mind that we're operating from, we're very identified with our thoughts. We're very identified with our personalities. And when you get that taken away and you see like, oh wait, I'm still, I am, I still am, Mm. you know, that moment is it's like we do need that Mm. and it is like it's a beacon of the earth you know like you said it is gaia when you ingest mushroom you're ingesting the earth you're ingesting you know so it's like that feminine earth mother is like entering your sphere of consciousness and then you're able to like remember Mm. you know like oh i'm a child i'm not a lord over this place oh i have no like my power is only on lease (laughs) (laughs) totally Uh, absolutely and 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 what a powerful message to be like you don't own shit man you don't know shit and Mm I, I think that different people get different messages because there's there's just so much knowledge in these things and there, there's so much to behold. But for me, it was like it, it was actually very simple and it was about being a, a better human being, just being a better citizen of this planet, taking better care of this place and making sure my relationships uh, were were in, in good working order. And it's an ongoing project. So we discovered this stuff. What? nine years ago it's been an ongoing project ever since growing up wow (laughs) yeah that's interesting yeah i feel like there was definitely like a boom i guess that was maybe 20 was that 2012 i can't math right now yeah i mean say what you want about like the the mayan end of the world but like 2012 for me was like it was a big thing Mm -hmm. like that year like 
a lot of stuff happened that like in in my community too and yeah i mean to this day you know we're still kind of living in the echo of that you know mm. oh yeah they were onto something for sure i don't know what we're living in now but it definitely hasn't been the same <laughs> <laughs> yeah i mean it hasn't mine i mean that was like the year i um uh, maybe someone I know uh, <laughs> was in a um, a fellowship of the spice where they had a friend who was uh, synthesizing from the mimosa hostilis and they were um, participating pretty much every weekend uh, just going around in circles and um, kind of like logging their experiences um, at such like a formative uh, age you mm-hmm. know it was um it it felt like this like grand exploration like oh we're charting this new land and like we had no framework no people around to guide us you know but like we had this like sense of trust and um it it felt like it was something the entire universe was doing like all of creation was here for this space to be you know mm-hmm. and it was that 2012 it felt like a portal you yeah. know on the other end of that there was like everyone who's involved kind of we frayed into different directions but you know um wow my good friend <laughs> it's me um you know like definitely kept sinking deeper and it wasn't even about substance at that point it was like i was the substance you know mm. and just following that heart space as it kept opening and opening and i i mean for where i'm at now like it it frankly isn't as much a part of my path because I, I, I feel so such a psychedelic influence for like everything that I'm mm-hmm. doing. Um, I'm a massage therapist now and like that space is extremely psychedelic. Um, you know, doing the meditation, doing podcasts, meeting people that I would have never thought that I've met, you know, it's like for me, like I've kind of stepped through the, that veil mm. and it's still there. You know, I look over there and I can see, you know, months in advance, like, Oh yeah, there it is again. But it, it's everything, you know, yeah. there's no distinction anymore. Mm. It's, yeah, it's, it's almost like once you become conscious that there is a veil, it's hard not to, uh, uh, unveil in every moment. It's, you know, yeah. it, it's, it's hard not to, but, but then it, it, it also makes it hard to function in this reality. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, I think how it's going, it's hard for everyone to function in this reality right now. What, and it actually, I mean, from the studies that they're doing, uh, mushrooms help with anxiety. They help with PTSD and they can help for a longer periods of time. And they can really do something where they go to the source and heal real trauma rather than like anti-anxiety meds or whatever kind of um, mood enhancers stabilize us and have us not look at those things that are subconsciously affecting how we live each day. So I don't know. It, it, it really feels like a the mental health system kind of hit ahead where um, there's less advancements and, and we need to uh, explore this new territory and do it in a way that's legal and safe. And um, we very much look forward to that time when uh, people can experience these medicines in a safe, legal way. You, you know, what's kind of a, a disturbing trend that I've been noticing too with, um, uh, be, because like, I, I think that the reason we are starting to get legalization is, is uh, off of what Cass just said. It's like the, the pharmaceuticals and the medical industry have squeezed every penny from us and, uh, they weren't trying to, they were creating symptoms and treating those symptoms. And now like we've hit a wall and they're like, uh, I don't really know what else we can do with this population. 
So let's start looking into how we could make massive amounts of money off psychedelic treatment. There's not a lot of money to be made off of it. So what I see them doing is doing all this research to figure out like, okay, what is, what's causing an LSD trip? Um, and how do we isolate that molecule and make sure that uh, we take the psychedelic element out of it and maybe still try to treat people with LSD, but in a non-psychedelic way, same thing with mushrooms. And they're doing the same thing with ketamine because, um, they can't figure out why these have such a curative effect on people. And they want some of that without having to put people through the psychedelic realm. But my whole thing is having visited the psychedelic realm many times, that's what's healing you. You're going into the shadow. You're making friends with these things. You're coming outside of yourself and all the stories you've ever told about yourself. So I think, you know, going ahead with these plans of, of figuring out how to figure out the exact molecule that does this and prevents a, a real trip from happening, but you could still get the benefits. It's like, yo, we're already in the weeds. <laughs> we're already in the weeds. We're yeah. being too precious yeah. with people. People need yeah. to fucking go and sometimes get your fucking head blown off. And, and you, sometimes you just need to go fucking practice dying and see what it's like to die and yeah. let go. And that's what feels so good about this stuff. That there's no, going to be no scientific breakthrough or isolating of anything that is going to be able to reproduce what it feels like to die. So yeah. I, I think we right. shouldn't be averse to those things. I think that's why this stuff's so effective. Yeah, it makes me, honestly, this is a, this is a theory idea that I have that is not, is based in just my own thoughts, but uh, like I think of Rick Simpson oil, that like really high concentrated THC oil that like uh, cures tumors and stuff. Doing that stuff and how incredibly psychedelic the experience was, I was like, oh, it's no wonder this heals people. People just go to this crazy space and they jump timelines to the, the timeline <laughs> where they're fucking getting healed. Yeah. You know, just that doesn't. That doesn't seem unrealistic to me. No. That seems actually like the most yeah. realistic, and that's not to downplay yeah. people's pain and 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 anything. Like we don't have the, we don't have the capacity as just like everyday humans to jump timelines the way these, uh, like something like cannabis can show us yeah. the portal and give us the door to. So it's not like oh, if you're not jumping timelines, you're weak or whatever. It's like no, we need a something like cannabis to come in be like oh here's a portal door to to jumping timelines and while you're doing that i'll also heal different receptors in different parts of your body but i do i can't help with how psychedelic it is i can't help that believe and trust that that is part of the healing journey oh yeah a gram of rick simpson oil which is what you would take if you were stage four uh cancer a gram a day like that is beyond yeah. psychedelic it's crazy so you're yeah. going you're going up to the highest realms where you've made these agreements with yourself to have cancer to begin with and maybe you're untangling those things and maybe you're you're writing those stories or telling a different story or like Cass is saying hopping into a different timeline but either way i think um it's it's worth looking into without taking without depriving people of the experience of the actual experience mm -hmm. of going through that stuff yeah. Definitely seems to be yeah. what ayahuasca is, you yeah. know, from all the trips that we've done. It, the plant definitely seems, the uh, plant Bruce definitely seems to have a healing capacity, but there also is something where, exactly what Sean's saying, where you kind of have a, a different, per, it's a shift in perspective. You change the lens on, on your relationship to the world and life and, and uh the, the even even just thinking about how your body is capable of healing can help heal your body. Mm -hmm. Even doing something yeah. that feels, if you're, there's like this study where they told people who are doing like just normal like at tasks that um, they were actually building muscle and they told half the group 
that and half the group that was doing the same task that, you know, nothing. And the group that like thought of it as like, oh, I'm building muscle by doing these tasks. They actually showed more muscle, like their body responded. And it's like, it shows that our body and our mind do collaborate. So having a healthy relationship is of the utmost importance. And it's a, a shame that in this society, we don't prioritize people's mental health as um, just like a basic human right almost to, to have support in, um, in that area. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's funny because we do prioritize storytelling and all the mental health crisis is is toxic storytelling and people mm. blaming themselves for systemic issues and people you know uh, not not understanding that the systems that we're a part of are producing um not it not as a flaw but by design they're producing this level of desperation so when i see widespread um despair and um and depression in this country i just think that's a mushroom deficiency it, th th this <laughs> thing we, america and probably the whole world has a mushroom deficiency and it, it like th there's this thing that clearly helps us along on our path it helps us not take ourselves too seriously it's a cure for greed and it's sitting there and we've made it illegal it's uh you know I, I know that sounds like basic like middle school like stoner talk but like it's really <laughs> insane when like we just need to remind ourselves of that every now and then it's like they're protecting us from this experience that helps us see this place for what it is more and might challenge these systems therefore so they're protecting us from this and uh it's just insanity because you're just gonna there's it's just gonna you're gonna see a lot more widespread death and despair because we're not treating the fucking the the issue we're not cutting cutting to the core of it we're just dealing with symptoms all the time well and this might be i don't think it's conspiracy at this point i think we understand how the pharmaceutical industry works but like they don't really want to clear the conditions because no. then they can't sell us a bunch of shitty yeah. you know inert mm -hmm. substances that aren't actually helping us, mm -hmm. you know? I think it was, I think it was designed, oh, yeah. you know? And there is a part of me that's a, a little cautious about when we talk about legalization and decriminalization, I don't want to see mushrooms and cannabis go the same way that tobacco has gone because tobacco is a plant medicine mm -hmm. that has been used in ceremony for thousands of years by civilizations across the world, you know? But like what we think of as tobacco now, like selling it cigarettes, Marlboro Reds, whatever, you know, it, it it's not what it was, mm -hmm. you know? And like, I'm just really worried. I don't know. I mean, with them trying to mess with the molecular structure and remove the psychedelic element, they will probably get to that. Oh, point. yeah. Yeah, mm -hmm. I don't doubt that they're going to have that material reductionist approach and like, we found the thing that does the yeah. thing to the brain yeah. and like make it inert, you know? And that's the thing that like, you know, there's going to still be the underground aspect, but yeah. I have very little faith in the society at large in, in incorporating no, I know. this in a healthy way. I'm, I'm, I'm with you because I, I, I do think that, that greed and money and capitalism corrupts at anything, no matter what it is. And you're seeing it, <clears throat> like you're saying, happen with cannabis. I see the way cannabis is being marketed and who owns the companies and who owns the cartels and everything. And it's just like, it's fucking laughable. And the same thing happened with tobacco. If you've ever done hoppe or like, um, like blown mm -hmm. jungle tobacco up your nose or had yeah. someone do it, like the spirit of tobacco overtakes you and you can understand what it was here to do. And you can understand why a society as spun out in an extreme way as us would abuse that thing and why we yeah. would abuse cannabis and why we would abuse alcohol and these things that, 
like uh, we can't help ourselves because mm -hmm. they they do help and they'll help us function but I think that um, the thing that the mushroom brings to the table and acid and ayahuasca is like really values changing types of experiences where we won't consent to this anymore. And I think that they know that. So that's why they're, they're trying to control the narrative because story time is, is, is all this is all that's going on and people are throwing propaganda everywhere. And all we're trying to say is like, there's love, there's love beneath it all. And these plants can help strip all those illusions away and leave you with that feeling where you can rebuild your life as a divine being that you are. Yeah, which is why I think it's really important that we're having this conversation that you guys have the platform that you do. And I think it's really gonna take as many people who've had the experience to be open about mm -hmm. it before the floodgates open, mm -hmm. because there is gonna be kind of like a, a manipulation of the narrative. Cause like we're, we're looking at a wall of legalization. Yeah. Like we just look at Oregon. I mean, cannabis is spreading across the country. Um, but like, I, I can definitely see them mold it into what the society already places value on, which is like the productivity. Mm. And I can totally see like a stripping away of the, the narrative of love and like the reality of like what these things have the potential to do. Yeah. So, you know, like, I, I kind of feel like we're like, we're, we're front runners, you know, mm. we're like torchbearers for like, Hey, like, as this is happening, you know, look within yourself at the same time, you know, like there's so much more possibility and I'm just really glad that there's people out there who are strongly advocating, like warriors of this yeah. stuff. Well, know? and the best way to advocate is by living a dope life and by being a cool person, yes. by being a kind, generous motherfucker. And if you're not yeah. living those things, then you're just, you're wearing another mask. It's just like another fucking fake thing. So yeah, I, I want to live it. I want to actually, I want to take these things to, to upgrade to upgrade our operating systems and live a better life and, you know, almost live in service to these medicines. So when people say to us, like, what's the secret? We can say, well, we meditate, we really care about our relationship, we pray, but we also take, we take fucking humbling doses of psychedelics once a month. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, I, I think that, that that's the best thing we can do. Then, then even yapping about it is like just living it. It's definitely right. the cheapest, most fun ride in town. And I'm a little bit of an adrenaline junkie. And I'll just say, like, as much as I totally second, and it, it, I, I've said in this podcast, like, it has undoubtedly made me a happier, chiller person. I have the best time yeah. in these realms. Yeah. It is so yeah. sacred and so special. And you can travel depths of your soul from the comfort of your own apartment. And if that's not magic, I don't know what is. Yeah. And, uh... So yeah, we're just, we're eternally grateful. And uh, it's, it's a beautiful thing, especially as people who worship music as much as we do to <laughs> take these substances and listen to music and, and connect with it in a way where you're like, damn, I wrote this song. Like I did this. I, I, you know, like, like where, where you're so just deep in it that you cannot feel the separation between you and George Harrison and Phil Spector and, and the studio time in the 1970s and all, all the stuff that's happened between you're just there. You are it. You're the idea for the song. You're the idea that there is even human beings. And it's a, it's a very special way to commune. And, uh, you know, I, like we, we took, we took some ayahuasca over here the other night. We had a beautiful friend come over and lead us through ceremony and um, it was in the Santo Daime tradition, which is a little bit more Christian, which 
I grew up Catholic, so I knew a lot of the prayers and the songs and everything. And all I kept thinking was, my God, if fucking the Catholics served this instead mm -hmm. of these wafers, if they just gave you this little cup of uh, this loving, beautiful cup of fucking medicine instead, oh my God, you'd, you'd look forward to that every Sunday. And there's traditions still going in the world where they do do that. And, and, and everyone gets it. Elderly people, kids, pregnant women, like everybody's doing it. And it, it helps them keep more connected. And it, help, it helps keep the balance in their civilization, which we're obviously not concerned with. <laughs> right. It reminds me of, I don't know if either of you have read Island by Aldous Huxley, mm -hmm. um, but there's the idea in that ideal uh, utopia, the, the moksha, which was something that is exactly what you just said. And it was like an essential part of that culture. It was like the the um the sacrament that they all took in order to like keep them reminded of the present moment and their connection to the land mm -hmm. and I, I think in general we're just missing like a shared mythos of ceremony mm -hmm. like we have ceremonies i mean what what's the most common ceremony that we have in america it's like christmas the super bowl uh, uh, i was gonna say sports <laughs> right yeah so like we have all these things, but like that is an essential part of being human, whether it's religious, whether it's secular, we need ceremony. We need containers to step outside of ourselves. Mm -hmm. And I think with psychedelics, it's such, it, it's an obvious one. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's like, why are we not doing this? Yeah, and, and if you're doing it as much as we do and you're not ritualizing the experiences, I don't know. I don't know how much it would it would even help your life because I think it could get yeah. really confusing. Like we need to go into every trip with uh, whether or not it comes true, but like intentions, we write things down, mm -hmm. we'll write down our fears, we burn our fears during ceremonies. You know, we'll, we'll get, sometimes just go in with the simple intention, like we just want to have a funny fucking day with our friends, simple as that. And usually that's what ends up happening. And uh, it's all the integration. It's like you were saying at the beginning of this, it's like the taking of the substance. It's like, it's fun and everything and you get visuals and you're out of your mind and everything, but it's in the months after it's the way you integrate that, that high watermark that that experience left in your soul is trying to, trying to integrate that and, and trying to um, transmute that on the daily. That's, that's what's up. Like that's the stuff where I'm like, okay, cool. This is, this is my kind of shit. Cause it's showing me a better me. It's not showing me a dulled version of me. It's not um, just, you know, like alcohol does, like closing the doors of perception. It's actually opening them and it's allowing me to see a version of me that I like, that I want to apply to this world more, the way that I think Jesus was probably walking around if he was a real person. So, yeah. um, you know, th these experiences show you that it is you. And there's, there's a reason that the priest class took that away from us. And, it, you know, it, it happened a long time ago, but... Um, that's, that's, I think, to your point, what we need to start trying to take back by being honest about this stuff and being honest what it does for us. Yeah. Yeah, and I, I, I like what you said about, like, I, I really think that it is important, like, the integration. If you don't do that integration, then I don't think that this is going to be a viable path. No. Mm -hmm. You know, unless, because it demands it. Like, mm -hmm. when you're in the heart of that experience, I've had some moments where it's like, yo, you are not showing up. Mm -hmm. Like, and, like, that is the experience. The entire eight hours is like, this is how you're not showing up for eight hours, yeah. just showing everything that you're sucking mm -hmm. at. And, but it's not like a bad thing. And a lot of people who don't have the proper framework or the intention, then they have a bad trip or yeah. whatever you want to call yeah. it. And that's what everybody's afraid of. Mm -hmm. But like, that's what I want. Mm -hmm. yeah. <laughs> but it takes that intention. It takes the, like, I have to integrate this. You have to have the proper framework, which is honestly community. Like I learned it from being around dope people who were able to like, hey, 
here's how you handle these situations. Yeah. Yeah. You know? yeah. yeah. It totally feels like the more connected you are, the stronger you feel because you can feed off your friend's strength, their support. You know that they got your back because it is one of those things where you can go, you need to, you have to work to flip the script. You have to work to say like, okay, yeah, maybe I wasn't showing up, but I now am like a strong, capable, divine person who can show up and you don't get like buried under the weight of it as much as you get inspired and excited by the opportunities that lay ahead of you. And it's kind of sounds yeah. cheesy, but it's um, it's just a lot more fun way to, to go through this whole thing. Well, and, and I also not to be too on the nose with uh, with a, with a metaphor, but it is kind of like riding a bike and you you at first like you need someone there and you need training wheels and you need someone saying like no 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 pedal pedal go 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 and and that's your community and those are your friends and hopefully you have good people that understand that but after a while you know how to ride that bike and mm -hmm. to to me what helped me ride that bike is challenging myself to do this stuff in situations where it wasn't necessarily comfort comfortable and like you know i remember i took a pretty heavy dose of lsd and we just went out on to um, bourbon street in new orleans and i was in a situation where i was like this isn't this isn't very comfortable this is definitely bad trip territory unless i really let this medicine do what it's meant to do and show me that all these people are my brothers and sisters no one's a threat mm -hmm. to me actually everyone here has my back i'm not that out of it and and you know just just like learning to see the world like and even all that madness and even alcohol and drunkenness which usually triggers me just like seeing it as just beautiful expressions and we're wild animals here and these are my brothers and sisters and that's when i've though it's it's moments like that it's not the times when we're just very comfortable and ritualizing with our friends but the ones where i'm really untethered and in some situation where i probably shouldn't have taken this to begin with but i'm riding my bike and no one's helping me that i'm like yeah, I got this. I, I got this. Life, yeah. life is cool. Yeah. yeah. No, it's definitely a, a, a practice of pressure testing yourself. Yeah. You know? I love yeah. that. I yeah. love pressure testing myself. You're like, myself. all right, let me just, sometimes you need to, to find your breath by throwing yourself into the waves, you know? So it's a, uh, it's all fun and games. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's a sense of warriorship, you know? And I think mm -hmm. that that's honestly what this society is often lacking. We have a lot of people who are, uh, just kind of get in, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Like tamed, yeah. you know, there's a lot of domesticated humans who don't have any sort of channel to express warriorship and showing up. And it's kind of like what you said earlier with like dying before you die, you know, like yeah. to face that is to be a warrior. And it, as you step onto that path, you become stronger for everybody around you. Mm -hmm. And then you can guide the next generation and hold space for them as they stumble and yeah. fall over off their training wheels. Yeah, and, exactly. You know, Totally. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I think that the fact that we have that warriorship in us is super commendable. But to your point, like it's it, there's no outlets for it. So you know, you you see people wanting to fight a war because that's just what we're trained to do, and they'll they'll just fight the culture war, or or they yeah. or, or they'll fight yeah. the war of survival and become become great capitalists. But like, there is this other outlet where you can become a psychedelic spiritual warrior. And, you yeah. know, you can go to war with your demons and you can uh, make peace treaties with them and you can you can do all kinds of stuff, inner work. And, you know, the, and, and the way that that manifests with the, the way your life looks to other people is going to be so beautiful because you're going to come off less uptight. You're going to you're going to look like you're fucking walking on the clouds. 
And uh, yeah, I, I mean, I to me, I think it's a worthwhile thing because we have that in us. We have that fire, that passion in us. We want to slay things. We want to conquer things. We want to be dominant. But I, I think that the, the messages that the mushroom has told me is like, that doesn't apply. That doesn't apply to this go around. You can't be a dominant person in this go around. The world cannot withstand 7 billion people with that kind of attitude. <laughs> so yeah. let's start having the other kind of attitude. Let's, let's go to, let's go to, let's, let's use our warriorship to protect this place and to, to find our own impurities and search for and slay our own impurities. So uh, to me, it feels like worthwhile work, but again, there's not a lot of examples of, of people that are doing this and speaking to it in that way. So, uh, yeah, forcing ourselves to talk for an hour plus a week it helps this stuff come out. Even to us, like, I don't even know what, I didn't know, I haven't even thought of these concepts till we just started talking about it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and I mean, I think, like, a big part of, like, the warriorship, too, is a matter of, like, for me, what really drew me to it is, like, I really want, like, a worthy adversary. You know? <laughs> yeah. like, I've seen a lot of people who are doing a lot of really dope things and conquering a lot of, like, demons and stuff, but, like, who do I know is like the the scariest person around? It's me. Uh -huh. <laughs> it's my own heart, you know. Yeah. It's it's my own like negative impulses, you know. So for me, that's like that is the forefront of of the battle, mm -hmm. you know. I love like, that. That's that's the only battle that I'm willing to pick up too, you know. Yeah. Like I don't want to fight somebody else's battle, and yeah. that's what most people do is they outsource it because frankly, a lot of people are afraid of themselves. Yeah. you know. So so we do this shadow yeah, boxing yeah. thing where we externalize all these things that are really just us. And then we shadow box with the world and we're doing this. And I, I think what you're talking about is a much more worthwhile, lifelong passion and journey of growing the fuck up. Yeah. Yeah. And it, it's naturally to me kind of turned into, because like I was kind of really, really entrenched. I mean, Terrence McKenna, Ramdas, like they were, they, that was my main thing. And what it's transformed into to, for me is like, simply sitting like my sitting meditation practice that is what my the next that's where the battle line is for me right now mm -hmm. so I, i've had a lot of experiences where i've like gone to the core of my being in psychedelics and had like really tense battles and came out victorious and i mm -hmm. had that moment on the white horse you know with the sun behind me um and like important very important but right now like the scariest thing that i can do and the most brave thing is to literally just sit totally <laughs> and to like not to, to be properly bored oh my god that is so hard <laughs> you know <laughs> like yeah it so. is i i mean yeah that that's why i'm saying what you're talking about it's very astute but it's also really commendable because i think it's work most people would distract themselves from yeah 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 and I think that that's also at like the heart of what's ailing a lot of people, you know, mm -hmm. um, if we can also approach like, and I think it takes both, you know, it takes both experiences together, like extreme novelty, extreme, like pedal to the metal, like I am losing my shit right now. Mm -hmm. And then there's also like extreme nothingness, mm -hmm. you know, totally. it's like, I am not feeding my need for like the next big thing. I'm just literally, I'm fighting against all those impulses and that forward momentum of karma. And, yeah. you know, like that is for me right now, the thing that's, I mean, it's so psychedelic right in itself, you know? Yeah. We've done a couple self, self-administered, well, silent retreats, you know, where we're just like, Sean's parents are out of town and we like sit there for three days, you know, and just do our own kind of um, side by side just meditate 12 hours silence a day. retreat yeah. that you know because but everyone that was one of the most powerful healing things i think we've ever done in our relationship because 
even though we weren't interacting, we still had our own stories going and we realized that, oh, it's not necessarily the other person that's making me think these thoughts or feel these feelings. Like you, you kind of have to take some true responsibility, you know, and everyone we know who's gone to like, you know, a seven, 10 day or longer uh, meditation retreat has said the most amazing things and we've only done three days or we did four days once out in the woods with no food no no water and that was amazing yeah you know but it's exactly what you're saying i i um i will second that is also not only a real battle but one of the most rewarding ones Oh, you know? yeah. I mean, and, and, and the battle we're all in is like we're all being overly stimulated all the fucking time. And we can't help ourselves like we're in a very, very stimulating time in human history. And I think part of a, part of the reason a lot of people can't uh, bring their wisdom online is because they're so distracted and medicated with with so many little mini battles and and fucking consumption, all these things. Uh, it really it helps you. It, well, it, it doesn't help you, but it's um, it, you're straying from the path. And to to kind of take a stand and take the power back and say, I'm going to shut out stimulation. I'm going to see what's going on. And then you realize, like, holy shit, my fucking brain is overstimulated. It won't stop producing these thoughts. How do I begin to train this fucking wild Jack Russell Terrier that's running loose in my head? <laughs> yeah. But you can train it. You can train it. And I think yeah. that's that's all you're talking yeah. about is, like, when you sit there on the battle line, and you sit there with the nothingness and you're just watching this fucking Jack Russell Terrier in your mind go fucking absolutely ape shit and tear the furniture apart. <laughs> you sit there and you start to train it slowly but surely, day yeah. by day, breath yeah. by breath. And it's uh, yeah. it, it's the most rewarding fucking thing you can do because it just mellows yeah. you out. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I do, I say this all the time, but I do psychedelics so I can have a, a good life, you know, and I have a good life so I can do psychedelics well. But the biggest part of both of those things, my experience in psychedelics and the training it has and, and what I try to cultivate in life so that I can have a good psychedelic trip is as simple as like shutting up and breathing, you know, it's as simple as like dropping in and and being aware of the monkey mind but not investing in the monkey mind and uh yeah no it's it's so beautiful how those two things can can play off of each other and encourage and inform each other and yeah. encourage development with each other you it, know? it's it's so funny it's like we've done like nine years of ceremonies and crazy things and our relationships had up and downs and putting art out and successes and failures like you wouldn't fucking believe and you'd think that with all these experiences, we could fucking write books about the messages. And really what it comes down to is that just shut up and breathe. <laughs> like, like really, yeah. like you come out of an ayahuasca thing, like you feel like you could fucking fill a novel with your wisdom. But really the messages are like, they're so simple and pure and it's just simple shit. Like just shut up and breathe. Go Go back to school, you motherfucker. Start taking yeah, in these lessons yeah. and stop stop thinking you're above it. Stop thinking you're a teacher. Stop stop thinking you're anything but a fucking student, dog. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I definitely kind of struggle with that dichotomy now that I got certified and now I'm like this like <laughs> professional meditator. Like I don't want to take on this mantle. Like I'm not standing on any like false hill of like I know what's what. Mm. But also part of being a good student is like opening up the space for other people to like learn with mm-hmm. you. Totally. You know, and, like I think that that's like the best approach is like I'm not lording any information. I know how to instruct 
this specific thing, but at the same time, like I'm learning, mm-hmm. you know, cool. and it's like, when you ask me a question, you're teaching me, you yeah. know, like you are a reflection of the way that my mind operates too. Mm. Cool. So it, you know, we're all in it together, you know, and I think that that's yeah. something really important. And that's something that sitting meditations taught me, mm. you know, cause I've, I've had an ego on and off, you know, we all <laughs> get kind of puffed up on ourselves from time to time. And it's really, it was an in sitting when I was just like, I am at square one. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but like, again, it was like I said earlier, like being able to see that you're at square one and then being at square, like it's different, you know, yeah. you get some space from it and you're able to kind of work with it. Mm. And yeah, we, seeing the workability is, it's key. I cool. think we've become addicted to square one. And I, I think that's part of what spirituality has ushered in because I used to not feel comfortable unless I was at, t- at the top of the mountain. And now I think mm-hmm. we only really feel comfortable when we're like at the bottom or starting to scale one. Like, you know, what, whatever that Buddha saying is first there is a mountain, then there is no mountain, then there is. Yeah. 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 Definitely resonates. And I like, I like when, when we get to the top of the mountain, um, like it's usually when I'm most like suspicious or about our life or waiting for the other shoe to drop. Cause I know balance is coming. And then when we're <laughs> back at the bottom and a new one appears, that's when I'm like, okay cool yeah we know how to do this we know how to do this we're we are very much equipped to start over so yeah we we invite those things i I think that's probably why we take psychedelics so much we're down to start over pretty much every day Mm. yeah it reminds me of sorry it was just it, it reminds me of the like uh you know before enlightenment chop wood carry water after enlightenment chop wood carry water and it's Mm. like it's that's the the simplest uh most pure reminder i think you can have sometimes yeah yeah it's the best and i think i mean if we're talking about like dying before you're dying like that is the starting over element Mm -hmm. you know and i think that that actually is more attractive like you know we see it as like oh we're still at the base of the mountain but some people they're off on like in hot air balloons who are like yo i just want to be on the dang ground right now like i am so turned around and they see you at the bottom of the mountain they're like they got it. Mm-hmm. They're at the top of the mountain. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like, no, I am thoroughly at the beginning. Thank you. Right. I'm going to pack a bowl. Yeah, yeah. Go, man. Yeah, time is just a burning. Yeah. yeah, this is great, man. Yeah, this is this is really nice. I'm really glad that we got to talk. It's, it's, it is a, admittedly a little weird because I feel like I know you guys more than you know me. <laughs> and I think that that's like a part of the podcast, listening to somebody. Yeah. Um, you know, but yeah, yeah. I, I figured I'd like, you know, I've been listening to you guys. I'm like, we, we probably get along. Oh, yeah. fuck yeah, dude. Like, you should be here. Yeah, what kind? Yeah, that's <laughs> What kind of meditation or, or did you, are you teaching? So it is, it's mindfulness meditation, um, which is kind of a buzzword. So I, I don't want to call it what it actually is because that's what people know it as, yeah. but it's uh, essentially shamatha vipassana. So shamatha is calm abiding mm. and vipassana is like insight awareness. Cool. So, um, yeah, it is, it's directly in like the Tibetan lineage of, um, like Chagyam Trumpa Rinpoche, mm-hmm. who he is one of the OGs who brought it to the West back in the seventies and, um, yeah, my teacher, he was like the next generation to kind of get that transmission. So it, it's been really cool plugging into an actual lineage um, and having like a very crystalline clear, like, this is what this is, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. Because I, I, I've meditated before, but I had no idea what I was doing or like, I like kind of knew. But now like I have this really clear instruction that it's like, okay, I, I'm confident that I can teach people this instruction and I'm confident I can do it every day. Um, yeah. 
yeah, it's been four months, about 40 minutes a day, uh, just consistently hitting it. And I can already feel just some incredible benefits. Yeah, that's awesome. We've been doing TM for, I don't know. Eight years, eight, I think. Something like that. Nice, so okay. I But I definitely feel like that's like the bare minimum. You know, 20 minutes a day, twice a day is like, I need it to just function like a normal person. Yeah, we're not, we don't even question that. But it's just such a a digestion that just feels so necessary. Um, But I do feel like a lot of room and a a call to to, uh, expand the practice. And I think TM is meant to be TM when you do TM, but there's room to um, do more different types of practices. So definitely curious to know more about... um, your, the lineage that you're following and everything. Yeah. So I do know the difference because um, mine's it's kind of the same way that like when you're doing the the mindfulness, like that's what you're doing. Mm-hmm. Um, and like the, the key differences, because uh, I've, I've looked into TM a little bit. I've never really done it. But from my understanding is it kind of helps induce like a trance state. Is that kind of inaccurate? Yeah. Mm. Okay. So for mindfulness, like we literally, we do it with our eyes open. And the whole goal of it is to literally be more awake and more in the present moment Mm. so it's like you're not like creating this um what my teacher called like little piece at the expense of like it's literally meant to be an engaged like you take it out into the world so you have like your your practice session where it's like you're kind of dimming your awareness to this moment but it helps you kind of create a bridge to where you're in a more meditative state throughout all of life Mm. you know and it's kind of the the foundation before you start taking on like meta practices (laughs) which meta is like loving kindness, compassion. Yeah, I love Sharon Salzberg. Um, exactly. Yeah. yeah. So this is the same same deal. Yeah, no, I love mindfulness and I I think that I think what I'm really I I feel like I really want to do the type of meditation where you like have to sit with your back straight and like on a in a lotus position. I'm like I I think I need to go to one of those places where they kick your ass and they're like sit up straight. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Zen style. Yeah. Yeah, yeah they'll hit you. Oh, yeah. <laughs> straight up. <laughs> Yeah. Well, guys, I feel like naturally this, uh, we've kind of had an envelope close. Cool. Um, so as much as I am really enjoying this, you know, I can just feel, yeah, that might be like the end. No, perfect. At least of the this episode. was really fun. So, yeah, we're down whenever, yeah, man. This is Let's do it whenever. Yeah. Thank you so much cool. for having us on. Yeah. Where could people find you? Uh, our website is veryape.tv and on there you can find links to our uh, podcast and radio show it's which is on YouTube our radio shows on patreon our podcast is on YouTube or Spotify or SoundCloud iTunes all the places patreon.com slash church of chill that's where you can find our radio show and we also do an exclusive podcast on there and we have a discord community that's really cool yeah yeah and then very apes it is a f- it's a fun yeah. one. <laughs> and then Very Apes, our podcast. Yeah. So check us out. Hit us up. Let's be friends. Yeah. You guys also have some like really dope documentaries. Like I, I wanted to also talk about them because that's like a whole plethora yeah. of things to go on. But I really do like your style. Like I watched quite a few of them and I'm like, there's something about like, there's almost like a minimalism to it mm. where it's just kind of like, you. I, I just feel like I'm in your head watching <laughs> what's happening. Yeah, totally. And, I, yeah, you get it. You get what we're going for. Yeah. When we, sometimes yeah. when we put those out, people don't don't understand that I'm like, no, nah, this is for the viewer experience. Trust me, <laughs> yeah. this will age better if we approach it this way. Yeah, no, you definitely get to uh, go in with your own reflections. Um, but all our documentaries are also available for free on our website or on youtube so it's cool we've we've uh made all of those we have a few features and a bunch of shorts they're all mm. really fun i mean yeah 
some of them, I, like, I got to give you guys props. Like, there's some places you guys have been that I'm like, yo, like, I would be sketched. I was about Namely, to say they're the not. Trump rally <laughs> one. I was about to say fun like, is a little bit operative. In oh, the Trump situation. rally? Yeah. yeah, we had to shoot that yeah. one on our cell phones. It was such, like, a sketchy, like, we just had to fit in. We, we had to fit in. And, uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, that one was fun. That was the first time we, like, really strayed from using professional cameras or professional crew and actually took the camera work over ourselves and... That was psychedelic in itself, you know. You prove to yourself yeah. that you can do that. You can make a movie in a weekend, and it's like, whoa! All bets are off. So, uh, you yeah. know, just this good little fucking artistic challenges you can throw your way to expand yeah. your horizons. Yeah, it was it was definitely telling. It was the first time I, I had ever been in an environment like that. And I'll say I I, I was there because that's what it feels like <laughs> when you're watching. It's like I feel like I'm just transported in this completely different world. Mm -hmm. you yeah. Know? Same thing with like American Juggalo. It was just like, yeah. oh. But it's like you guys don't really have like a bias when you do it, which I also found interesting. At least my interpretation yeah. was like you show the light and the dark of everything. Because mm -hmm. even in like the Trump rally, there were some like people who came up. I was just like, they seem interesting. Yeah. Oh yeah. There's you know, like it, yeah. There's a kid in there so, that's like uh, I'm like he's all dressed up like Inspector Gadget, and I'm like, well, what's your deal? What's your name? And he goes, my name's America. <laughs> and I was like, you're fucking fascinating, man. And like the other thing about that movie you got to remember is like we shot that before he even had the nomination. So those are like some hardcore beginning, you know, early Christians yeah. type, you know, devotees. So yeah. it, it was really interesting. But, you know, I, I think we try not to go in with, uh, you know, any judgments or bias, but we always do. We always have like we were scared to make American Juggalo. And you get there and then the people are the medicine. They melt your fucking heart. You see, yeah. if you're the if you're the type, which we are, you see yourself in these motherfuckers in two seconds, and you're like, oh, they just took a different path, and look, they're out here celebrating with their homies. We're gonna come here and make fun of them. That's what all the other outlets do. That's what fucking yeah. you know, Vice and MTV and everyone. No, we learn from them. You know, yeah. we learn how to like accept people, accept ourselves, like the importance of family love, the importance of community. I mean, I think they really incepted us with how important family love is. And yeah, we weren't even doing psychedelics back then, and we got on the scene there, and we were like, oh shit, we are juggalos. That was like really one of the first <laughs> like sacred, bizarre, sacred funhouse mirrors that we ever came across was juggaloism. And realizing, like, even though I've never heard this music still, I am a juggalo. I am one of yeah. these motherfuckers. <laughs> magic, yeah. magic, magic ninja. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I, I've always kind of had the idea that, like, that that community probably has more love than any other community because they always get shit. Yeah. So like they're going through their entire year getting shit. Yeah. Everybody's hating on them. And then they get to this one place where they're accepted. Like yeah. I haven't been, mm -hmm. but I, there's probably so much love. There. Oh it's dude, you, it's on, it's unreal. And it's like, it's, uh, th that's the thing that I think a lot of people can't appreciate, but once you get around them, you can't help but feel you're like, Oh, this is that motherfucker. I, everyone had one of these motherfuckers in their high school, whether yeah. they were a juggalo or not like that one or two yeah. kids that was just like didn't fit in for some reason yeah. and they all fucking found each other under this umbrella of like weird clown rap yeah like fucking more yeah. power to them it's like obviously so yeah. easy to make fun of but part part of the reason we made that movie is because it's like as easy as it is to make fun of there is a lot of soul here that we could all learn from and uh that we made a follow-up to it about a specific juggalo you should check that out american juggalo too is like um it's a different yeah. kind of trip, but I think you'll really feel the love and the soul in that one. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, a, it's, I didn't even realize how judged I felt going through life until I went into like a true judgment-free zone. Mm -hmm. That was just like, you, when you're like, mm. you, it's palpable, the love and acceptance. And when you're in a space that's the love and acceptance is palp palpable, it, 
it is me- medicine. It transforms you. It's a concre- yeah. completely transform. Because you're like, why would anyone do this otherwise? Why yeah. would we judge each other? Why would we look at what each other's wearing? Like, this is so stupid. And, what and the that's hell? that's the medicine all those juggalos need to get through their fucking shitty life, you know, working part-time at Arby's and living with their parents and feeling like a reject. They know that they have this five days that, like, they're going to be able to be themselves and they're going to be accepted yeah. and other people, they're going to see themselves in others. It's it's really fucking magical and besides the deadheads i really can't think of another scene off the top of my head that is even striving for that right right it's weird how a space can be corrosive to like ego structures Mm. like just Mm. a space you know like i just and i feel like you guys probably honestly cultivate that too with the space that you hold you know it's just interesting how like I think the term is like temporary autonomous zone, the TAS, <laughs> where like normal societal structures break down and there's this like weird creative impulse that kind of rides through a space and like anybody that that touches is just like melted. Yeah. You know, and I first felt it. I don't know if you guys have heard like, the Electric Forest Music Festival mm-hmm. here in Michigan. <clears throat> that, yeah, back in 2011, that was the first time I experienced that. And again, it was like that like judgment free zone. And like yeah. the moment you feel that, it changes your your value structures yeah for real yeah uh it's um yeah i mean it's it's kind of uh like i grew up a punk rocker and you know kind of felt like that when you'd go to shows you're like oh cool these are my people these are other fucking low lives and dirtbag fucking you know but but like not bad people but just like kind of like thought of that way so yeah i i think that that's why we always go back to like music is the medicine it really fucking it transcends all other things and that that's the container that brings all the people together that's the people that's everyone goes to electric forest for the music but then you get there and you have this amazing community same thing with the grateful dead concert same thing with the gathering of the juggalos it's like you know the the music is the sacrament and everything else is what we make of it so i i think it's really cool when it's intentional because that's what we're talking about these are intentional communities these are people who are like here's our values and with the juggalos to the point where we're going to shout them out like like fucking battle cries you know yeah. family screaming family yeah. at the top of your lungs it's like it's really fucking potent magic when you when you yeah. get around it and you get around these people and you and like it's it's palpable and it's hard not to get pulled into it and i think that's why we mm-hmm. we end up like that's why they're our friends and we end up keep documenting them and you know just like using them as like they're saints in the church of chill they really are. Yeah. They're saints. <laughs> and that's what I loved about your film too. Uh, the first one specific. Oh, I haven't seen the second yep. one, but within the first one, you like showcase you gave people a means to tell their story mm-hmm. and like it really humanized. You got to see behind like the face paint and the mask of it. And like, these are humans who have like, some people like told some like very like dark things that happened, yeah. but also like they were able to express their love for this place. <clears throat> and like any space that, gives people love in their heart like oh my god why are we talking smack (laughs) because it's a threat to these systems it's like uh, in in the military it's illegal you'll get court-martialed if you fraternize with the enemy and like like mm -hmm. because they don't want you being able to contextualize their life to the point where you might not kill them on behalf of the united states 
We have a very similar thing go on here culturally. There's a lot of battle lines have been drawn, and we all respect them without even questioning them. We weren't supposed to go be at the gathering of the Juggalos. We weren't supposed to go to Bi Black Bike Week. or we're, we're not supposed to go into Oceana and ask people about their problems. Because mm. if we did that, God forbid, we might realize we are them. And if we're good filmmakers and we can help a, a whole bunch of people in an audience realize that, that's fucking dangerous to this empire. That's dangerous to capitalism. Yeah. That's dangerous to these structures that pit us against each other that that have decided long ago that there needs to be winners and losers. So we go talk to the so-called losers. We realize we are them and we bring back, we try to build monuments that can endure over time that show that we are them, you know? And, uh, you know, we, we fraternize with the enemy. I'm sorry, that's what we do. Mm -hmm. And and sometimes it's triggering. The, the Trump rally f film triggers everyone. It triggers Trump fans who, who look at that and say, why the fuck are you making fun of us? And it trigger, triggers uptight fucking liberals who are, who are looking at that like, what the fuck? How come you didn't make them look worse? You know, like, and it's yeah. just like, oh, yeah. no, this is just, this is just, this is just that day. This is just what a taste of that vibe felt like. And it honestly kind of felt like the gathering, the juggalos a little bit, but it wasn't based on love. It was based on a mutual hate. And it's <laughs> just fucking crazy to have gotten a taste of that. Yeah. Sean, along with his editor, Kathy Gatto, they like really work together so well to, to not only essentialize people, but like, kind of bring out their best you know what i mean like it's we're all like kind of we can enjoy each other's company in the in the container that they they put around yeah it's lives. it's not that serious like you can tell from the first frame of all of our movies like we're not judging these people like we're not taking this that seriously yeah. like we, we made a movie like one of my favorite things we made is called florida man and it's just like you, you hear all these headlines, Florida man did this wild thing. Th Florida man through Florida man throws a, a live alligator through the drive through window at Wendy's. And it's just like, who the fuck are these guys? And I've lived in Florida I, in my life before, and I've interviewed these types of people. And I'm like, there's no way that they're like what the media depicts. Same thing with the juggalos. Same thing with people struggling with addiction. Same thing with sex workers. There's no way they could be these cartoonized people that the media depict. Yeah, they are wild, and we talk to them. But we show, like, we're approaching it, we're not approaching it like some hard-hitting, like, hey, we're judging these people and we're going to convince you to judge them the way we have. It's almost the opposite. It's just, like, play space, you know, we're just hanging out with these guys during recess, like, just just whatever, take it for what it is. So it allows, kind of like our podcast, it, it gives people permission for um, greater acceptance of themselves and seeing the Florida man in themselves. <laughs> yeah. Oh my God, this is, I'm having like an actual visceral like response to hearing you talk about the, the impotence behind your filmmaking because it's really similar to how I interpreted it. Mm. So like to have it like verified as yeah. well. Yeah. It, it's really interesting how much of our culture is designed to keep us isolated from our neighbor. Like oh, it's yeah. kind of always been like that, like celebrity as this kind of like hierarchy, mm -hmm. you know, and I, you see it all the time with social media and like, you know, now we have like influencers, which are like sub celebrities and like, it just creates this entire cascading pyramid of like, don't talk to them. They're in a lower space than you. Like mm -hmm. don't even get to know them. And 
that I really think that is at the heart of a lot of the divisiveness oh, yeah. that we're facing. It, it's, right? it's, it's to avoid any sense of economic populism because that would be the biggest threat to this whole thing, this empire and into capitalism is when we stop uh, like buying into their hypnotic spell that we're all so different and we should be judging each other. And it's, it's Cass's fault because she's a white woman and it's this person's fault because they're a cop and it's that person's fault because they're brown and it's this person's fault because they happen to be born in this country and then came here once we, once we can say wait hold on a second why are we fighting who who are we doing this fighting on the on the behalf of who it's uh, that's a uh, that's economic populism and like we're we're teetering towards that because very similarly to what we said about mental health we're out of options we're, i mean they're running out of ideas and ways to divide us and it's it's getting more and more crazy and more and more nuanced and you know, you, you see, it's it's all in avoidance for this much bigger thing is that we have owners and they want us behaving a certain way and that uh, they will crush any form of dissent. And that, that dissent starts when we start to contextualize each other's lives and compassion grows out of those feelings. And so I, I think like we take it very seriously when we make a movie because we have an opportunity to change people's minds and, and expand their consciousness and touch their soul. So, and, and we have a, a way of doing that that is very simple and approachable and digestible. And I, I want our podcast to be like that, but our films are definitely, um, they're, they're a reflection of the way we see the world and we try not to interject too much, but and, and so, so the audience can have that similar experience, but it's to do exactly what you assume. And we don't, we don't speak to it that often. We, we want the, the, the films to speak for themselves. But it's exactly what you think. They're meant to be a psychedelic, uh, heart-expanding experience. Hmm. Do you think um, I'm gonna jazz fingers there? <laughs> yeah. Um, do you think uh, you think art is maybe the main driving force that we need right now? You think like art is like the the tip of the spear? Yeah, I mean, we are creativity. That's what that's what we are. We 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 we're born from a creative act. We're here, we're creative, and we are creative people. And I think it's it's our drive, and more and more um, outlets to do that have been taken away from us and criminalized and demonized. And um, it, it's, it's such the urge in every person, and every person is an artist, and every person is a musician. It's just their tools have been taken away. And we're starting to lose it as a species, um, and all of all of those uh, those great instincts, those great creative instincts that we have, are getting mischanneled and um, pushed, used against us to further divide us. So I do think art and community is the antidote to the stuff I'm talking about, to that sickness of greed and separation that's infected all of our society. I mean that that's just like a really simple way of putting it. Uh, I could I could probably go on for a long time about that kind of stuff. But I'm yeah, I'm yeah. still trying to wrap my head around that stuff myself, but like uh, w when you ask me that question it just creates it, it's just like my natural response is like we are art, we are creativity, like yeah. like goddamn we have lost the narrative that we that we think we're workers, you know? Like like I always yeah. try to I always try to preach like our solidarity with the workers across the world and it spans borders or whatever. I I think it's condescending to even think of us as workers. It's like we're artists. Yeah. We're here to create and we're here to we're here to make things and we're here to make things better and we can make the vibe better without destroying this planet. And we we there, there's so many things that we can use our creative energy for that frankly right now we're prevented from doing by the systems that we're beholden to. 
So once we wake up to those systems, we'll figure out how to kind of diffuse them. Almost kind of, as you just said that, like how the idea that like being an artist is the antithesis of worker. It's mm-hmm. like you're either one or the other. <laughs> yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. And, and when I, when I tried to masquerade as a worker and anytime I do, uh, it doesn't, it, it, it doesn't look right. It doesn't feel right. I like it, it's, it feels like I was miscast anytime I'm in those roles. Yeah. yeah. And, and then there's people that, that fit those roles perfectly. And when, when, when you ask them to take the creative initiative and, and make some art, they, they can't, their, their fear gets in the way and they're, they're, they're much more of the worker mentality. But yeah. I think beneath it all, there's, there's an artist. There's like, there's the human design of it. That is a, like a popular way of looking at it is that whether you're like a generator or a manifester, or if you have an inner authority, like we all play our own roles and we don't all need to be the same or have the same approach. Like, I think that what we just want for everyone is to have like a more fulfilled existence. And that doesn't mean that there's like a certain um, way to do that. I think that I think a fulfilled existence is that if you're going to do work, you should be um, compensated for your time and be able to live, uh, have a living wage and be able to afford the things in life that bring you joy and anything else is uh, human slavery. Yeah. 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 Yeah, and I think that that's like it's all the artists typically get typecast as like more liberals, but I think it's the people who are able to see the systems. I mean, it's the artist who's able to see the overarching thing. Yeah, and then it's like say the worker, the preserver. I don't know what the human design take is on like the the. Gen- I, I know human they call them generators or like. Is, is that the artist? Oh no! Or? Um, well, no, I'm sure there's artists that are generators. There's just generators or people that are like good at um, completing other people's ideas. So they okay. they might be like really good at like making the idea better or bringing it to form or manifest like creating it, and then there's you know projectors who like I, honestly I'm not the right person to talk about this too. It's just really interesting, and you guys using the word worker made me think of it because it it made me think of like how art is work, and I think I might just be getting caught up in semantics and using it to yeah. expel upon yeah. it. But I I totally hear what you guys are saying and I appreciate. Mm. It. I'm not trying to derail it. <laughs> no, no, no. Yeah, yeah. You're, it's it's definitely welcome. Yeah, I just think um, you know, like the workers are going to do what workers do, and that's okay. And they have a niche in the ecosystem. I'm always looking at like human society as an ecosystem, and trusting that like everybody has a role to play. Yeah. And it's like in following their authentic inner voice, they will naturally settle into it. It's not something you have to like force your way into. Mm-hmm. And like there are definitely like large chunks of people. You know, if you want to look at like the the Hindu caste system. I don't think at the heart of that isn't an evil thing. It was manipulated to be kind of a, a control scheme. But I think at the heart of it is like there are just some people who their their capacity, where they're at, they're, they're workers, mm-hmm. you know? And it, it's a shame that the people who are able to see the entire system manipulate them and then like put them in these pigeonholed things that they can just kind of take advantage of. And it's, you know, not to like make decisions for other people. That's not what I'm advocating, but... You know, like, let's look at the systems that are abusing the people who just want, like, a regular chill life, yeah. you know? Yeah, exactly. And and not have to live your life deeply in debt and, and forced to work. And, yeah, it's, it, it's a fucking mess. But, like Terrence McKenna says, if the artist can't find the way, then the way cannot be found. Oh, so yeah. y- you have to think of, like, when when you take on that label, you have to think of yourself as above 
above politics. Like you can't think of yourself as a liberal or a conservative or a leftist or, right. or you know, or you you have to you really have to think of yourself as above politics and above religion and above those kind of ideologies because like we're the canaries in the coal mine. Yeah. We have to you know we have to pick up on vibes that could better this place and transmute it through our art. And uh, that that's a much more powerful way of uh, of transmuting vibes over generations than words are, because words can lose yeah. their meaning and you know um, whatever. But yeah, I do think it's I, I think it's an important thing, and I think a lot more people would have a lot more fulfillment if we had uh, more outlet for that. And I, I think like we're accidentally with this pandemic stumbling onto something because. I know we're collecting unemployment and a good amount of our artist friends are and everyone's happier than ever. <laughs> we're barely getting by. They barely give you enough to have any kind of fucking well, dignified existence. Well, to not keep going existence. into debt. <laughs> yeah, we're, yeah, we're going into debt. But basically, like, we all get this, like, little scrap of cash every week and it makes us feel like, okay, cool, we don't have to slave away. We can just do what we got to do. And everyone that we know that's an artist is, like, really coming into their own in in new and exciting ways uh that like this big ex like accidental experiment we're doing is is proving true that like if given the space a lot more people would drop out of the workforce and and would um try to contribute in other ways that i think would be uh, a lot more beneficial to this planet and our economies than yeah. than the current system that we're that we're beholden to it's interesting because like right now we have the technology to where people can actually safely drop out without the thing bottoming out mm -hmm. like with automation like yeah. it doesn't have to be an evil thing right now yeah. like mm -hmm. with the current system it's like oh shit like automation when people are gonna be out of jobs but like it, i don't know i was honestly a big fan of andrew yang i love the thousand bucks a month idea like idea. i think like if we are going to be buying into this system, like it should be buying into us. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> and like automation is something that we should be cheering on. Like we shouldn't be yeah. having to do those jobs. Um, but like, I, I think what we always advocate for, and it's, it, I know it's extreme, but it really shouldn't. Is just the workers taking back what's rightfully theirs, which is the products and the means of production and the means of distribution. And once, once the workers own that, it all balances itself. It, it all starts to balance itself. The businesses that, that are redundant go out of business. And, you know, we, we start to take this, this thing back and we become less exploited and subjugated. And it starts to clean up our foreign policy. Like, all these things start to fall into place, but it, it would require a general strike. It would require the workers seizing the means. It would require, um, you know, mass organization, which I think we're teetering on. I think we're teetering on. We, we, that, that's how bad it's gotten is, is like that we are looking at it, as complacent as we are in this country and as medicated as we are with Netflix and all these things that that shit has become so desperate for people that we might be headed towards what I'm talking about. Like it might be time for the revolution. Yeah. And I think we're even seeing that. I mean, with like the Wall Street bets phenomena that has happened mm -hmm. a couple weeks ago, like we're starting to also have these new and unique ways that we never foresaw. Like, who would have thought that you know through Reddit a bunch of people would be able to like tank hedge funds mm -hmm. and yeah. they bounced back and they like limited it. But like, I, I don't think that the revolution is going to look how we think it's going to look. No. I think it's coming, but I, I think right now, like, it, we we just don't know what the face of it is really going to be. Yeah, you know. Yeah. But I think the the general strike thing. I honestly, I, I, I would love to see it. I, I, I don't know because America is so like we're, by the laurels of our hard work. You know that's our value. Like yeah. I just wonder how many people would be 
you know, it would be politicized and then, mm. you know. Well, I mean, look, we need a raise. I mean, this is beyond politics. We need a raise. Yeah. We need health care. Yeah. We need paid time off. We need more reasonable hours. And it's simple because uh, all these other developed countries have these things. And, you know, wh what would you do if you were working in a factory and you wanted those things? You would get the other workers together and you say, we're going to shut this motherfucker down until we get paid what we need. We just need to do that in mass. And like we uh, like the thing is, they have us so divided uh, under all these fucking false uh, uh, illusions. Like they have us so divided that like it seems like an impossible thing. But now the desperation is getting pushed to a level where it's like we're seeing beyond all the shit that they've divided us over. And I think it could happen. Um, and I think it would take a week. It would take a week before yeah. we got... Uh, a minimum wage that that we can live on and before we got universal basic income and medicare for all because these we have this fucking money we have this yeah. money yeah it's crazy you know all of a sudden everyone's a deficit hawk now that now there are democrats yeah. in there everyone's yeah. a deficit hawk okay great yeah, yeah. so you're gonna see uh it, that that this country isn't looking out for you and there's austerity measures the likes of which we've never seen coming our way and it's going to create the environment for radicalization desperation breeds yeah. radicalization and uh mm. we, we just want to spread the good word about what that can look like in a peaceful healthy way don't go to work general strike just spread the word general strike we'll get it organized not us in particular yeah. but more people <laughs> need to think of that as an option it's yeah well, it just might not be your role, you no. know, you guys are like the people who implant the ideas, which is like a, a, a safe part of the niche as well, you know, yeah. you guys are definitely fulfilling your role. Mm -hmm. I definitely wonder, I feel like it was like, I don't know, I have this like weird theory that like we've been enculturated for like apocalypse fetish, mm -hmm. where like The Walking Dead was the biggest show, Game of Thrones, all these things that are cutthroat, hyper violent, and it's all focused on like this post-apocalyptic, like every man for themselves. Like I feel like there was kind of some like strings pulled to kind of create this dystopia so that we're less likely to radicalize because we're more like mm -hmm. either afraid or leaning towards the violence. Yeah. You know, and I, I think it's important to be able, like you're saying, like we have to be the ones to say like, yo, like this is the positive way forward. This is possible. You know, we have to breathe life into the possibility of utopia because mm -hmm. right now there's so much momentum behind like what could go wrong, Yeah, you know? So like, I think that bringing it back like art, I think is it, it's the spear of that, you know? Yeah, it's yeah, exactly. How we draw a better future. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know? Well said. Very well said. <laughs> Yeah. I'll smoke to that and little yeah. jazz fingers or whatever you call them. Yeah. <laughs> it was jazz fingers. Magic sprinkle fingers, I think. Ooh, yeah. sprinkle fingers. Yeah. <laughs> Sparkle finger. Mm. I don't I don't know. Mm. I love it. I got it. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I, I I like what Terrence McKenna said that to be anything but an optimist is fatalistic. <laughs> so like I always operate out of a sense of like it's possible. Like, you know, like we can really move forward in a in a good way, you know, and yeah. to really embody that. I have a lot of people saying I'm naive, but like they also see that by operating like that, my nervous system is more tempered. I yeah. am not overreacting. <clears throat> and like that's the base. If yeah. we're all able to stand in our power with calm nervous systems then that that shifts the world that's that mm -hmm. frequency that we like elevate higher you know and and when you mm -hmm. can like, like exactly what you're saying what i was saying before when you can train that wild jack russell terrier your magic you're present you can see the issues for what they are and you it, that that's where we all become visionaries it's like when you can slow down and when you can take control over your own kingdom again 
I, I think that we can imagine a future and this is what all I try to do to people. And I think this, the main thing I can do that radicalizes people is just talk about what I think that this future would look and feel like. And it's simple shit. Like, yeah. you know how Halloween feels could feel like that every day. Like everyone in a dope spirit, everyone's dressing up, everybody's giving shit away. Nobody like, you know, money's not even a concept. Here's candy. Here's whatever you need. Let's yeah. have a good time. Yeah. Let's get fucked up together. Let's wear masks. Let's dress up. Let's fucking dance. Let's party all night. Every day could feel like that. Every day could feel like the 4th of July. You know, every day could be Independence Day. But we're going to have to fight for that. And, uh, you know, you're only going to achieve that feeling if everyone's taken care of. Because I can't enjoy the fucking 4th of July because this country's fucking bullshit. And, and, and we don't deal with our shadow, which is genocide. And it's hard to fucking enjoy uh, Memorial Day because what the fuck did those guys die for? Fucking capitalist yeah. interests. And it's hard for me to in enjoy fucking really anything in this country knowing how many homeless people that, that there are and how many there are going to be. So in, in my psychedelic socialist future that we dream of, everyone's taken care of. There's just a standard of living below which no one falls. I think that's a very simple way of putting it. And, you know, people shouldn't have to go into debt over medical calamities. Like, these are very just fucking simple things. They shouldn't even get labeled left or right. Like, we, we, we let them fucking corrupt these, these, ide uh, these ideas and our visions of our future by, like, them getting pulled into the political spectrum. Like, fuck mm -hmm. that. There's just a standard below which no one falls. Then we can fucking party. Then we can fucking build the new pyramids and decorate this place and fucking help this planet again. But until then, until we start fucking housing the homeless and feeding everyone and get everyone a proper education and a job, if that's what they want, we're fucking bullshitting each other, you know? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's weird to try and balance, like, the need for celebrate. My entire last episode was about music festivals and, like, electronic music and, like, the need for celebration as a physiological function, mm -hmm. which I think you guys actually hold down really well and you invite people, like, it, like the, the chill, you know? Mm -hmm. It's like we need that physiologically. But it, at the same time, it's really hard now going forward, you know, like, if I went to, say, Electric Forest again, it, I was even already kind of feeling a little, like, okay, are we really doing this again? Like you guys spend like $800 to be here and it's like, yeah. for what? You know, like shit is messed up and we're just kind of like getting loaded and forgetting it all, mm -hmm. you know? And it's like to try and balance, like we need celebration. We, I, I feel like, I think it was Guy Fox and V for Vendetta. Like any revolution is one worth dancing for mm -hmm. or something like that. Yeah. But at the same time, like in not like just complete debauchery at the expense of it. You know, and that's like a weird fine line, you know, it's like, but I think it has with the intention, you know, mm. Mm. I think like with pure intention, you can, you can, you know, let your freak flag fly, mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. I mean, and I, I think like one of the things that, that we try to say is like, <clears throat> look, if, if what we're saying appeals to you, just start living like that. That's what we're doing. Like, you know, you just start living that way in your own life and uh, write your own rules and make your own, uh, you know, make your own community and treat them the way you'd want to be treated and watch it spread. And yeah. let's render that other thing obsolete. Let's overgrow the government, not overthrow the government. Right, right. I like that a lot. Yeah. We're always trying to fight something, you know? And again, it's like, yeah. it's that outsourcing of like the the battles we should be doing inside, you know? <laughs> and then that just creates, I mean, that's the other Ramdas thing is like, when you are fighting something, you create an enemy and then you, you polar opposites and you're just going to be combating and batting heads. And it's like, to move through them though, is like, it's a different, 
alchemical process. Yeah, I used to really not grasp what he was saying when he said that because I was such a mm, like like abolitionist, like identifying with all these like really hardcore political leanings. And like over time, I really understand what what he's talking about and what people that take that position are talking about. And um, like I'm saying, I think there's there's a way to live by example that could spread. I think that's the fastest way to do this is, is live by example and, and spread the good word and fucking, you know, build churches, build shrines, <laughs> yeah. build memorials, yeah. you know, build monuments to dopeness and, and our unity and the things that bring us together and, and stop celebrating and being hypnotized by the things that separate us. Cause uh, yeah. that, that's the poison. That's how the, that that's how we end up keep fighting the rich man's wars because they fucking have convinced us of all these things that that what other people need to die over fuck no no person is going to ever convince me that anyone needs to die over an idea get the fuck out of here so yeah you know it all it all starts there it's like you know we we have to end all wars we have to end all wars and that starts with you it's, you know the, the the wars waging inside of yourself you got to fucking end those wars and extinguish those flames with forgiveness. And it spreads outwards. You become a peaceful person. Yeah. I think that that was at like the heart of like, well said, by the mm -hmm. way, but I think that was at the heart of like the nonviolence movement. Like whenever we've seen radical progressive change, what's at the heart of it? It's nonviolence. Yeah, you right. know, I, think, I feel like the easy thing is to see power and like, I'm going to battle that. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you're know? never going to win. But it's like, the, <laughs> you're never going to win that, you know, even like Star Wars, you know, like, and that's kind of like the cultural myth that we've all ascribed to. We all grew up watching Star Wars and, you know, at the end they beat the bad guy because they did the violent thing or that, you know, but like what happened 20 years later is the studio resurrected the darkness yeah. <laughs> and we had another trilogy. Yeah. So it's like, you know, like maybe we should, I don't know, like apply that same myth to a different battlefront you know, rather than right on. You know. uh, yeah, absolutely. Dude. Very, very fucking well said because yeah, we're never going to, we're never going to win fighting uh, their war on their terms with their weapons. Yeah. We're not going to. Yeah. Yeah. You know, Martin Luther King understood that and you know all all these messages get fucking totally corrupted and and used for the capitalist agenda you know but yeah. uh it's there the, the the framework for what we're talking about is there and people have done it throughout history and it's time for a second american revolution revolution of love <laughs> yeah man compassion yeah yeah as, as, as like hokey as it sounds, like really, like that's, I mean, we need to revolutionize the way we interact with each mm -hmm. other. You know, mm. that's at the heart of it. Awesome. Well, I got to be. So I think I'm going <laughs> to call that a wrap. Yeah. Cool, cool. man. Awesome. We'll send you this yeah. file. Thank you guys so much. Yeah, of course. Um, I'll have all the stuff in the description below for folks who want to tune in. Really suggest your films, especially because they're on YouTube. It, it's very uh there's no barrier to entry and you can have your minds blown by some amazing films and podcasts like this conversation is like the tip of the iceberg for your guys's platform yeah man. so you know you guys got some cool people in your circle so thank you so much for having thank us you on. thank you thank you thank you all right my friends that was the episode thank you so much for listening all the way till the end i truly do make this show for you you're a trooper you're a warrior as well 
Uh, yeah, that was Sean and Cass. We talked about uh, proper intention setting. We talked about some of the pitfalls of dealing with the psychedelic path. We talked about the importance of dying before you die. Uh, talked about changing culture by changing ourselves. We talked about their films. Um, overall, just creating magic. And uh, isn't that what we're all here to do? Uh, like I said at the intro and at the end of every other episode, if you want to support the show, just interact with us on some of the channels. Subscribe, give us some good ratings. YouTube is kind of a hot spot right now. So if you want to help boost some numbers, give us some thumbs up, subscribe. All of these things at this current step really, really help. Uh, and I see you. I see you out there, and I'm sending you etheric high fives. Um, if you want to keep up with Sean and Cass, head on over to VeryApe.tv. they got a really booming YouTube channel with all their films for free um really really good content really fascinating definitely suggest checking it out um they just started a new morning show uh monday through friday called the come up and it's really cool it's essentially like 10 to 15 minutes where you're able to just kind of set the intention for the day and just kind of kick it make sure that you're prioritizing the right things staying chill um yeah, so that's it for me. I will see you next week at 11 a.m. Wednesday Eastern Standard.